Hello. Welcome to Wing Slowly. I'm the Homestar Waterhole. And I'm Strongbad, and this is my podcast. I, I mean, this is this is a podcast about technology and... <clears throat> well, this is a technology... Yes, yeah, I can't even talk now. It's a tech, it's a tech podcast, a podcast, and sometimes we talk about art and religion and, and ethics, but today we're talking about homestarrunner.net. Dot com. Yeah, I, I left that hanging there for you. Someone had to. <laughs> so the uh, Homestar Runner is back. It's uh, of much fame. Early 2000s webcomic. Beloved by many... Or maybe just high schoolers. <laughs> if you were in high school in the early 2000s, you probably loved HomestarRunner.com. If you were the parents of people in homes of in high school in the early 2000s, you were probably just profoundly confused. Because that's but how my probably parents heard were it. back then. <laughs> you probably heard it on your computer speakers, though. <laughs> and coming out of your children's mouths. Everybody! <laughs> everybody! Yeah. So, so after a half decade-ish off? Yeah, 2010 to 2014. They put out an April Fool's episode back in, well, shockingly, April. And everybody mm -hmm. said, wait, what? What? Strong Bad is back, but it promised new episodes later this year. And everyone said, okay, Brothers I'll Chap. I'll believe it. I'll when believe I it when it. I see it. <laughs> because That's this right. is an April Fool's joke. But no, here they are, actually, with two new webcomic things. Web yeah. Animated, they really pioneered kind of the web animated video thing. Still runs in Flash Player, which is hilariously ac anachronistic now. Yeah, it's true. And the kinds of modern web animation, comedy, storytelling stuff we see coming into its own now, they were doing this a decade ago. Yep. And now they're back. And here's the crazy part. They're still funny. It's so funny. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Oh, my gosh. I, so the first thing they did after the April Fool's episode, which was basically a, a reintroduction to Homestar 1-0, was a number one jam with <laughs> Strong Bad and Coach Z rapping about a fish islands. <laughs> making fish fun islands. Of rap, womp, womp. Making fun of rap videos. Making fun of white people? <laughs> yes, mostly making fun of white people making rap videos. Making fun of Dixieland jazz? <laughs> it's got some syncopation. <laughs> and so there's just a wide-ranging video that's very funny. It's just, it's humorous. There's a lot of things you can laugh at. Regardless of whether you're totally up on all the cultural news or or not it's it's timeless but not exactly timeless so it's kind of like <laughs> timeless e like timeless as if it were almost time yeah timeless ish <laughs> yeah and so it's really clever it's really funny they also put out a halloween spoof which is also very funny um they haven't put out a strong bad email yet which is disappointing come on brothers chaps hurry it up now I, I um, think they should totally update to be doing Strong Bad Podcasts instead, because we know that's what's hip now. Oh, man. But Strong Bad Podcasts wouldn't have the, all the visual jokes, and you couldn't click on <laughs> a podcast. A to get the, you couldn't get the extra joke at the end, because you can't <laughs> click on a podcast. 
So we were, we were talking about this. We we were both big fans of Strong and Bad when we were in high school, and really the whole Homestar Runner site, but especially Strong Bad emails. But especially Strong Bad emails. What we were wondering as we were coming back into this was one: Are they still funny, or was a lot of the humor of it derived from? You know, was the, a lot of the effectiveness of the humor derived from the fact that they were kind of the first? In a lot of ways, as I mentioned in the intro, they pioneered this whole thing. And so there's you're always left wondering, okay, was this so great because it was actually so great? Or was this so great because they showed us that you could do this thing? And it was funny, but, I mean, really it was mostly just that they were the only ones doing it and all that. No. They're or that really, they were doing it, yeah. They're really, really funny. And yeah. I told Stephen when we started, and I think I mentioned it a minute ago, I have not laughed that hard at something on the internet in a long time. I don't know how long, probably yeah. since the last time that Hyperbole and a Half posted something. Yeah. So there's a, also an aspect where, you know, I went back and watched some of the Strong Bad emails, particularly my favorite one, Trevor the Vampire, which I have memorized <laughs> and will not recount for you. And it was still very funny. And so there's an aspect where it's like, okay, you think it was funny because you thought it was funny then. And it's kind of a nostalgic funny. But then they put out these three new things and they're just as funny. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, regardless of whether there's some nostalgia funny in there, which there is, there's still a level at which they can still turn it out. They can still put together a really funny mm -hmm. piece of comedy. And there are some updates to their you know, style. I mean, there's definitely some influences from, you know, SNL digital shorts. Uh, we can, you know, posit all day long the chicken and the egg, whether the digital shorts would exist without Homestar Runner, who knows? But, <laughs> yeah, you know, it kind of had some of that feel to it, as well as, you know, old school Homestar Runner feel. Right. So we're interested here at Winning Slowly in why do these things exist and continue to exist? Why did the internet go on red alert, go to this website when there was a new Homestar Runner? Yeah. Um, and the same thing with, as Chris mentioned, Hyperbole and a Half, which is another red alert, go to this site when this thing posts. Given that the life of the internet and the life of content on the internet is very, very short, why are there some sorts of content where... When you post one thing anytime ever, even within a span of years, people remember you and go there and do whatever it is immediately. And that's especially striking when there are a thousand watch this funny video things being posted every day on mm -hmm. your traffic mongering site that, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about back in our episode on. Thing, you, you won't believe what the hosts say in this podcast. Right. You know, there are very, very few funny things that endure. And that's especially true on the internet because the half-life of things on the internet, as you just said, is so short. So the fact that after all this time, you know, some of it may be nostalgia, as you mentioned a minute ago, but then we go look and it's genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. When... And we talked about this a little in talking about serious content on our episode about, you know, that con content that takes a long time to gestate, talking about guys like Craig Maud or John Syracuse's annual 
uh, OS X reviews, these things that come out once in a long time and are really huge and so on, there's, it seems, a sense in which this kind of fits into that same category of things that are just done so very well that they last. They're a step above the rest of the internet in terms of hilarity. There are a lot of funny things out there, but few of them are as self-aware, and that's a big part of it, we were mm-hmm. we suspect. And yeah. also hitting that fine line between cultural savvy, I mean, they're clearly in, in this number one hit, riffing on white people making rap videos and whatnot. But they're not doing it in a mean-spirited way. They're just taking a look at this thing we do in our culture and kind of carrying it out to its absurd extreme. Mm-hmm. So they've, I would they've say got, surreal extreme. Yeah, surrealism is a great way to talk about it. Uh, and then picking up the humor that exists in our culture, but they're not doing it in a way that keys to some specific rap video that some specific white guy has put out in the last month. And so it gives it a sense of looking into the zeitgeist of our culture in this particular moment without tying it down to this moment so much that it, you know, it's just irrelevant in six months much less five years also it has a tax form writing escape room <laughs> and a fish i love i will i will come back and watch that whenever womp 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 <laughs> but yeah it's an important thing to note that the timelessness ish timeless ishness <laughs> of the humor is important but there's also the world building that they've done yeah and so within the context of the Homestar Runner world, there are now in-jokes that you can make that make no sense outside of the context of the world. Um, and I won't spoil Chris and I's favorite joke from the rap video, but it has to do with something that would make no sense if you've never seen <laughs> a Homestar Runner video before. You have to have seen and know certain characteristics about certain characters, and that makes things very funny because it also shows that the brothers chaps are making fun of themselves Mm -hmm. for not being around not remembering how to do their own (laughs) characters so there's kind of a meta level of humor on top of this basic level of humor that it's just a very funny joke right that makes things just more more levels of funny and that makes everything just funnier and so i know it sounds like we're saying Homestar Runner is great because it's funny, and it lasts because it's funny. But on some level, that's the reality of it, is that it actually is very, very funny in a way that doesn't age. And so as we deal with, you know, types of humor that maybe aren't as uh, timeless, that are more timely especially in our Twitter culture where everybody wants commentary on everything immediately, making something that's completely outside of the stream of, you know, social media, news networks, the whole churn cycle that we experience Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, making something that sits completely outside of it is not just foreign, but it kind of preserves it as a thing. So you know, I don't think to check the Homestar Runner Twitter if there is one or the Homestar <laughs> Runner Facebook if there is one. They might exist, but that's just not a way that I think about Homestar Runner. I wait for somebody to say, <gasps> Homestar Runner has a new thing. 
and then I go watch it because right. that's the way that I know how to interact with it. And, you know, that's sitting outside the cycle. And part of that is by being able to have built their audience or at least part of their audience mm-hmm. before, before social that media cycle started. Yeah. Yeah. Helps with the the ways that their audience interacts with them but there's also an element where they clearly haven't chosen to keep doing that Um, or if they have i'm still outside of that (laughs) and i don't prefer to be inside of it right so there's there's definitely points of contact that homestar runner has with the larger culture in the mid-2000s the trogdor song appeared on guitar hero that was pretty awesome. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh, yeah. You That's can fantastic. play Trogdor on a version of Guitar Hero. I don't know which one because there were a gajillion. There were 10 billion Guitar Heroes, yeah. But there was a version that had Trogdor right there next to Through Fire and Flames by Dragon Force, <laughs> which was the greatest. Uh, um, well, and I think I think that kind of intersection with but not direct dependency on is what makes it so good and i think to step away from specifically homestar runner and to kind of broader humor we mentioned hyperbole and a half and i think ali does i think she pulls the same trick there ali being the creator of what has to be the funniest web comic ish slash storytelling ish slash this is an episode of issues in case you haven't noticed uh things on the internet so that she disappears for a year and then she posts something and the internet runs to her door and says, you have to read this. It's the same kind of self-awareness, you know, keying off of cultural jokes, but not in a specific way. But there's also not that dependence on the stream and the feed and the buzz. I think maybe in part because they're not built around kind of the advertising revenue thing where you have to get the constant clicks and you can just put out something funny when it's ready. And that that makes a big difference for them not being caught up in the the cycle and the stream. And like you said, I think it makes a big difference that they they were able to build their audience in a time before that became the case. And they were able to build uh, a lot of people who want to create a network of people who want to see their stuff before there was nearly as much competition being yeah. you, know, you know in this case being first for them had a huge advantage in that mm-hmm. if you're trying to get something like this off the ground today well number one you're not going to do it with flash videos on your own website you're probably or even maybe if you, you could or maybe you could yeah but in general that's not the strategy people would take they would be much more likely to use YouTube or something along those lines. And then you're swimming in this enormous sea of competition and it's just way, way harder to get in the same way that it's way harder to get noticed in almost any part of the web. Now starting a blog or something like that, it's possible, but it was definitely a lot easier in 2004. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. One thing that also is important to note is that we keep saying ish, 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 because that's, Part of what determines that something is unique is that we're, mm-hmm. we can say things like, it's sort of like this other thing, but it's not really. Yeah. And it's sort of like this other thing, but it's, <laughs> it's not. It's not quite. <laughs> yeah. And so the fact that 
Hyperbole and a Half is like a webcomic, and it's kind of a blog, makes it unique. And if you don't know Hyperbole and a Half, you actually do, because Ali Brosh came up with the clean all the things meme. So she single-handedly created a meme, which is one of the only times in internet history that I know of that somebody <laughs> did something, and then we can track it back to the first person who ever did this thing. Yep. Uh, not that she was the first person to say all the things in that order, but that picture and that <laughs> formulation of words, she invented that on her own. So it's that level of talent for catching the right moment, but not in a faddish way mm -hmm. and sitting outside of the culture enough that they're not beholden to this infinite loop of got to get more clicks, got to get more clicks, got to mm -hmm. get more clicks that really enables those two sites. Um, and I'm sure there are other sites that we could talk about or that you can think of right now. And you're like, why aren't they talking about this website? Well, tell us what that website is. <laughs> That's um, right. Because we almost certainly want to know about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those sorts of websites are important to us. They are interesting in ways that, other sites that are, you know, more timely, I suppose, are interesting, aren't interesting. And so that's partially why we love them on Winning Slowly is because they don't really care about timeliness or any manner of speediness, I suppose, cultural speediness. Mm -hmm. They just do their thing. And... At Winning Slowly, that's the type of person that we think does really good work. Now, we're not saying the people who do fast work can't do good work. Right. But in general, we, as Chris and Steven, admire people who say, I'm going to sit down and make some difficult but good work that takes longer than a week. <laughs> yeah, and that has the ability to last longer than whatever faddish thing catches the public's attention this week you know one of the things that does make strong bad work really well and we touched on this earlier but i think it's worth a little further reflection is the fact that they are clearly very thoughtful about culture they're very thoughtful about trends in the world around them and so when they make a video making fun of white guys rapping and using a fisheye lens and doing things in slow motion and all the things that they do in this video, which, again, is just hilarious, part of the reason it's hilarious is because they have taken the time to think about these things. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true of good comedy in general. It's yeah. not just, you know, situational humor or whatever. It's situational humor that's aware of what things mean, of what things signify, and is willing to play with those to get you, the audience, yes, to laugh, but also to think about them a little bit, you know, to think about why do we do that? What, why do we, why do we put things in slow motion to make them look awesome? To take an example <laughs> from this. Uh, well, it, as the video highlights, it's probably because it wasn't actually awesome. But if we put it in slow motion, we can make you think it was, you know, mm -hmm. and, and triggering that kind of critical reflection is one of the valuable roles that the comedian plays in our culture but it's also something that requires the discipline to be thinking about culture and not just responding to it and you can imagine seeing as we're a podcast about various things in culture that that kind of thing is especially appealing to us because mm -hmm. we like 
that kind of reflectiveness. However, it's yeah. expressed. And the way that Strong Bad is expressing it, homestarrunner.com, which really is, I mean, let's be honest, it's Strong Bad's height. <laughs> <laughs> he took it over. Uh, but the, yeah. they're doing it in as completely different a way from what we on this podcast do, as you could imagine. And they're a lot funnier than we are. Yeah, they are. But they're still doing some of the same things. They're still looking at culture and looking at, you know, the ways that we live and doing so in a way that triggers reflection as well as laugh out loud humor. Right. Right. And so I think it's valuable that this sort of thing takes time and that we still appreciate it after it takes that much time because it's valuable. So there's like a loop there that (laughs) if you realize that a thing is valuable then you can take longer to do it, and then people watch it and say, whoa, that was valuable, and then they give people time mm-hmm. to to do more of it. So establishing a relationship with your audience and with the content that says, this is hard stuff, we're going to not make as much of it in an attempt to do better stuff, that's really... A, admirable, like I've said, but B, it's tough because if you want to make a living off of this stuff, mm-hmm. you, you're you somewhat beholden to this idea that you have to churn out more and more and more and more. And I mean, I don't know why it went on hiatus. I have no idea. But I would be surprised if it didn't have something to do with the fact that they immediately went and worked on other things that, you know, were for networks that made money. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. They don't have ads. They sold merchandise. So hopefully they were successful with that, and maybe they just got tired of it. Um, and we don't even know if both of the brothers are doing it. Apparently Matt Chapman is the spokesman for the Brothers Chaps slash the whole show, and I, I don't know. There's just a lot we don't know about the background of the show, which is also interesting mm-hmm. um, and something that doesn't happen in the Internet era where you know everything about everyone all the time instantly. <laughs> But the difficulties of putting out good content and monetizing good content on a slower time scale are real and pressing. Mm-hmm. And there are things that I think our culture loses because of our ability to get more and more and more and more. The fact that there is good content that takes a long time is, is tough. It's hard to monetize. Yeah. And now we get into questions of journalism and long-term works like novels and you know we've talked a lot a lot about how good work takes time and it takes money and space to do that sort of work and that this isn't any different for an episode of Homestar Runner or a really good review of OSX (laughs) or a good novel or an album these are all things that we've talked about in the past season because that's partially could be the subtitle of winning slowly (laughs) winning slowly it takes time to do good work yeah and i think one of the things that most strikes me from everything you just said is that in some sense homestarrunner.com pulls a really interesting trick because you're right that in general having to persuade your audience that look this is hard and it's going to take me some time so be patient is the hard thing to do. And somehow the brothers chap have worked some magic, some, you know, use some kind of slate of hand that 
they get that across without needing explicitly to say this is hard it takes some time and inspiring people to patience that way and when you consider that the internet is extremely patient when it comes to strong bad yeah but they also have alluded to it Mm -hmm. at the end of the april fools joke they there's a comment where it's like that was fun let's do it again in like three years (laughs) right there's that self-awareness we talked about (laughs) earlier and i think that helps but even in its heyday they weren't posting stuff daily or anywhere close to it uh still less kind of the you know hourly or minutely speed of some of the websites out there now yeah but there was in some sense, as a creator, sometimes you you want explicitly to say, look, this is hard and it's going to take me a while. If you're George R.R. R. Martin working on the next book in uh, Game of Thrones. A some, Song of Ice and Fire for all you book readers. Right. You need to. Yeah, there's a genuine time when you have to say to your occasionally obnoxiously angry audience. Hey, guys, slow Often down. Often obnoxiously yeah. angry audience. Hey, guys, this takes time. You like the quality of my stuff. Let me take the time it takes me to do it. And then there's sometimes when you just let the quality of your work speak for itself. And in its historic form, that's essentially what HomestarRunner.com did. You know, in the the most recent couple episodes, they've very much hung a lantern on the fact that, oh, hey, it's been a while. Yeah. Uh, But in general, they just did what I think a lot of really good, talented, thoughtful artists do, and they just let the quality of their work be the driving factor. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes mm-hmm. to the monetization question, they were looking at other ways of monetizing it then, and I don't know what their setup is now. It may be that this is just a side thing, and they don't have to monetize it, and that makes it harder to do it, but it also gives them freedom if that's the case. Yeah. And again, that goes back to the fact that they still live behind the curtain in a lot of ways. Right. And that's... That's freeing, it seems. Yeah. Or maybe it isn't. Yeah, we don't know. (laughs) So we should talk a whole other episode about that. But So that's our episode for today. We we tried not to overwhelm you with talking like Strong Bad the whole episode. Yeah, I don't think even the Brothers Chap could do that. After even after doing that for just a couple of minutes, you know, your voice gets tired. So I imagine it takes them a while to record these things. I bet. I bet. This has been episode 1.15 of Winning Slowly. All of our content is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. So you can do whatever you want with it. Just say you got it from us. The opening song is uh, not from us. It is the work of HomestarRunner.com and the Brothers Chap, so don't use it without their permission. Or fair use, which is how we're using it. Or fair use. (laughs) We're not trying to steal Homestar Runner's press here. In fact, we mostly just want you to go watch (laughs) HomestarRunner.com. All of it. It will take you a long time, but watch all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Until next... Oh, yes. You can subscribe to us in itunes or your favorite podcast app and follow us on app.net twitter facebook or ello until next time i've been chris kreicho and i am and will be stephen caradini thanks for listening
we didn't even talk about Teen Girl Squad, man. Teen Girl Squad! Do, 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 and the rest of the episode will be composed entirely of us imitating our favorite parts of various Strong Bad episodes. Strong Burninating the countryside! Burninating all the people! Burninating the dance roof colleges! Oh my god. So good. Frog door. <laughs>